I'm Sean. And I'm Cass. Welcome to Birdies, Bogies, and Bourbon. All right, everybody. Welcome to our very first episode where every week we talk golf over a good pour of bourbon. All right, Cass. So I think it's appropriate just to maybe kind of give an introduction to everybody, let everybody know who we are. Perfect. Um, so, so yeah, who is Cass Sigmund? So um, I uh, kind of fell into the uh, the golf world here in Charleston. I've always uh, played golf. I started playing golf when I was seven, but uh, I was uh, a little better a martial artist, and I, I made a career out of martial arts um, until I got hurt uh, in 2016 and. Like I said, I kind of fell into the golf industry down here, started working at Rivertown, and um, then uh, moved on to Bulls Bay, and, and now I'm, uh, I'm working for you. So, uh, so who are you? Well, my name is Sean Garrison, and um, I didn't start playing golf till, till a little later. I was probably 17 or 18, started working at a driving range, and, and uh, kind of got the bug. And um, when I was, uh, you know, my early 20s ended up uh, being the GM of a, a 27 old golf course in South Carolina and, um, and then ended up getting out of the golf business and didn't really play much for 20 years. And we moved to Charleston in 21 and started playing a lot of golf and ended up opening up a little indoor golf sim driving range. And, uh, really just kind of opened it up for a myself to have a place to hit golf balls and you know why out. not why not in your garage <laughs> the wife wasn't too keen on me putting <laughs> one in the garage and uh but she was very much behind uh opening uh, a little simulator place up and she's she's uh she's got a good business brain and she's like she thought there might be something there and so we we opened it up and instead of just being a place for me to hang out and hit some golf balls with some buddies it ended up being uh we kind of backed into a, a really good little business model so uh, so yes, yeah, so we've got the Scramblers Golf Club, and it's a little private uh, range, and we've got a couple of them in Mount Pleasant. We've got another one we're working on in Charleston, and yeah, the business is good, and and we're growing and expanding, and and that's kind of how we met, right? So absolutely, and I'm happy to be on board. I, I, it's a it's an awesome concept that I I really believe in. Yeah, so the idea is that each week when we do the podcast, we're going to uh, share what we want to share that week over a good pour of bourbon. And this week we have some old elk um, and I actually didn't know much about old elk and it's really cause it's kind of a newer distillery and it was uh, distillery was opened in 2013. And so one of the things when you have a newer distillery, whiskey's got to be aged, right? Right. You can't just come up with bourbon and go, you know, make bourbon. You've got to put it in barrels and age it for five years, 10 years, whatever. So, um, so I was curious, like, hey, it's a new distillery. How are they putting out product? Um, and so what happens is uh, somebody like Old Elk that starts a distillery, they go to another distillery and they source product from them. The one thing I do like about Old Elk is, uh, although they, distort, uh, they, they source their original batches from other distilleries, they actually went and hired the guy that made the bourbon at the other distillery and now he's on board at old elk so so like the pxg of bourbon <laughs> exactly <right>? yeah <laughs> i'm going to take the ping engineers and to, to make my clubs so exactly um so this is this old elk is a cognac cask finish um and honestly i really wasn't even sure what a co- cognac was right. um but it's actually a brandy which is made from fermented grape juice white wine 
Um, so yeah, so this uh, a sweet taste to it. Yeah. So cheers, Cass. Yeah, absolutely. It's really good. Yeah. What do you think about Smooth. that? Um, for uh, let's see how strong it is. Oh wow, it's like one ten proof. Tastes more like a an eighty proof. So got to be careful with it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's delicious. Um, definitely, definitely got that. You can you can taste that sweetness and that caramel. Um, yeah, I, like if you just sniff it, a little bit of a maybe a, a, a vanilla or a graham ca- graham cracker kind of smell to it. Um, it is pretty smooth. I, I think that this is something that I wouldn't mind just kind of sip sipping neat. Right. Um, so yeah. So cheers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's uh, let's talk golf. It's Masters week. We got a lot of dude. I'm uh, so excited about it being Masters uh, week. I mean, who isn't right? Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's talk about our golf first, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of kind of get to the Masters. Um, so uh, what's what's going on in your golf game right now? So a little background, I guess. I'm I'm not a good golfer. Um, I have I have had a handicap that is dipped below three, uh, but I had a very old school swing. I kind of took it deep inside, threw my hands at it, hit a big looping draw, and I would have days that everything was firing and I happened to be putting well and I'd go out and I'd shoot 74, 75. And then I'd go out the next day and shoot 95. And that was very, very frustrating. And, uh, so I was like, yeah, I've got to change my golf swing. And so it's been about almost two years, maybe about 18 months of, of solid work trying to transition it. Um, and so my handicap now is sitting like an 8.6, um, and I don't know that it's made a lot of difference. I still have days that I go out and it's awful. But uh, but I feel like when I am hitting the ball um, and really compressing it and hitting it flush, much more in control of where the ball is going. Um, so, yeah. You definitely hit it more flush than, uh, than an, an eight handicap. Uh, you know, most eight handicaps, when they hit it, they're be- it's it's still a little clicky even when they hit it good um you you get that compression so um i, I don't think you're far from being a you know get, getting back to sub three um even even flirting with scratch but um, well, you know that's you said something to me the other day we were playing nine holes and um i think i was hitting the ball pretty good most of the day but then every once in a while i'd throw one in the water or just do something silly and you looked at me and you said, your good shots are too good for you to ever hit something like that. Right. And, um, and that kind of stuck. I mean, it's just, it, it, you know, it's mental. Um, I did the same thing. I was playing golf with, with, uh, with my wife, Kat, and uh, we kind of had this, a very similar conversation. And she's like, well, you've hit three good shots in a row, and then you hit this shot. Uh, which was very uh, a very poor swing. What was in your head? What I realize is when I'm on the courts, very rarely am I just playing golf. Right. I'm playing golf swing. Mm-hmm. It's tinkering. It's a ton of you know. I need to think about this and that, and it's very technical and mechanical on the golf course, and that's what I got to get away from. For sure. For sure. It's that internal versus external thinking that uh, you know is kind of backed by uh, neuroscience. So, uh, so as far as golf goals, really, that's, I'd like to get back down to, you know, a, a, a solid three or four handicap, um, and, and even more than just what my handicap is sitting at is just 
playing consistent golf. I don't want to go out and shoot a 75 or 76 and then shoot a 90. Right. I'd rather shoot a 78 every single day, right? Just the consistency that is not there in my game. Um, so, but yeah, if I can get back, uh, you know, down pretty low, I'd love to play in a little, you know, some kind of local amateur events and just for the fun of it. Um, yeah, so that's me. How about you? You're, you've got a, you're a little more serious about this than I am. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm pretty serious about it. Um, so, I mean, we just did, uh, my first tournament of the year together, which is, uh, which was Azalea qualifier and it did not go as good as I had hoped. I shot 76 with no birdies. Um, but l- what, let's get let's get it from your perspective, right? Because it's easy it's easy for me to sit here and go over my round because I've done that you know thirty forty times in my own head. But I'm I'm interested. We we actually haven't talked about it, so I'm I'm interested to hear um, what you thought. Number one of Country Club at Charleston, and number two of how I played and what I need to improve. So, all right, yeah, you know, we haven't talked about this, so I. Um, maybe a little bit of cone of safety for giving you my honest opinions right, right here. Right. So, um, I think first of all, when we're, when you were playing the Zelia qualifier, you, I, I felt like you struck the ball really well, except uh, off the first tee, off the first tee. I don't know if it was some jitters or just the whole, the way the hole sets up a little, you know, uh, dog leg left. And, um, you know, you like to cut the ball a little bit, but whatever you had that, that, that very first, a drive. I don't even remember if you had a driver or a three wood, but I, the three wood I, I, I it was really it was, nervy, and uh, I'll just blame it on nerves because first tournament of the year, I was very nervous. Yeah, on, so, on the first so you you pushed it right, um, and then uh, you were kind of behind some trees, and then we argued a little bit uh, right off the rip, right too. off, I know, right off like, the rip. First time caddying for me, and you're like calling me off. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I, hey, it was it was uh, it was a weird situation to be in. Yeah, uh, so may, maybe my bad, maybe I shouldn't, but no, you know, no, I was, it was like, it was good. You were you were behind trees, and you had maybe I don't know, eighteen inch gap between these trees, and you're like, I'm going through the trees. It's like no, no just no, do not. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'm going. I was like, all right, so um, it yes, worked out, but it could have easily gone the other way. Yeah, so uh, I mean, it was a beautiful recovery, uh, but still, uh, I think you bogey that first hole, and mm-hmm. and, um, and and so that probably didn't set the good a good, uh, uh, you know, set you up good kind of going, I don't even know how you, what I'm trying to say here, but we kind of got off on the wrong foot, right? For sure. Um, and then bogey the first hole and then have to play the toughest par three, uh, in the Southeast on the, uh, uh, the next hole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and then you, I think it was hole, was it the third hole that you had the long huh. putt? Yeah. So, I mean, here we go. This is my fault, right? Um, it made both of our faults a little bit, but you had a, you had a, I felt like a pretty good approach into the green and you spun it back off of a false front and you probably had 40 foot putt up yeah. the hill yeah. and the flag up the false front up the false front. And you're like, all right, I'm going to lag this up there. And sure enough, you hit it right dead in the center, hit the pin and bounced off and had your caddy been up there to pull the pin, there would have been a bird, most <laughs> hey, likely, right? Hey, had I told you, I my rule is always pull the pin, and I did not, uh, I, I I didn't didn't have you pull the pin, so that's that's on me. Yeah, so you started on the back, nervy three wood, hardest par three in Charleston, maybe in the country, and then you had a birdie putt where it hit the pin. We didn't pull the pin. Bounced off. Start off Boun- bogey, bogey, and then a, a, a robbery of a birdie. Yeah, so so not a great start. 
other than that, I can remember one other time where we had a discussion about what iron to hit. Uh, another green that had a false front, and you knew the number, and you're like, and I was like, yeah, I think you should take a little more club, throw it back a little farther. You're like, nope, I got it. And you threw it pin high, and it spun all the way back off the false front. So um, so it was two holes, uh, two different holes in the front in the first nine that you spun off of a false front, right? right. So probably a little lesson there if, I, if I'm giving you my opinion. Um, but other than that, I felt like you hit the ball really well. Putts just didn't drop. Right. And, and, and that, was, that was because I putted tentative, tentatively. Um, I, uh, you know, I felt the pressure right off the, the, the rip. Um, and uh, you, cannot, you cannot putt well putting not to miss. You have to putt to make um, from, from 15 feet and in, especially uphill putts. Uh, you got to take break out, and you got to be aggressive with the putter. I feel like you did leave some putts short. Mm-hmm. A lot um, of putts short, a lot of putts dying in front of the hole. Just, uh, just nervy on the greens as well. So, um, but uh, did you like? What about Country Club Charleston? Oh, it was gorgeous. Isn't that a yeah, cool place? It's, it's a very cool place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's definitely on the list to try to be able to go play it at some point. For sure. Um, For sure. Uh, what's your favorite hole out there? Yeah, it's the par three. It's it's so that is number. It's right by the water. Seven. So because we played it in reverse, so it's it's hard to correct. Yeah. So it's six. Okay, it's six. The whole, the water's running yeah. right down the right hand side, and you get the bridges and stuff in the background. Yeah. Charleston off to the right. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. No. Gorgeous. Gorgeous hole. What about you? Do you have a favorite hole? Um, I like the lion's mouth hole, the one where I flared my drive uh, way right, kind of had to pitch out. And I got it up and down from like 85 yards, yeah, you know, yeah. with a bunker with a, with a yeah. green wraps around the, oh, uh, that is the a cool bunker. hole where the, the, there is literally a bunker that wraps 75, 80% way around the green, right? It goes all the way around the front and both edges, or does it go all the way around? No, no. So this whole, this whole, the green wraps all the way around the bunker. So it's the, um, the 16th hole out there. Uh, so the greens right in the, the center. Uh, of the or excuse me the bunkers right in the center of the green and the green wraps around got the, it yeah yeah because there's there another hole that the there is a bunker that wraps all the, the way around the very next hole the par three 17 uh the bunker wraps all the way around the of the hole seth rayner uh classic seth rayner holes um I, I i don't know my uh my golf history good enough or my rayner history but they all have a name so one of the cool things about seth rayner is he only designed like 14 holes. He used or something like that. It might be 12 different holes or 14 different holes. And he just uses those holes over and over in different ways. But they're still the same same golf holes. So all Seth Rayner designs are the same like 12 to 14 holes. And you'll have to you'll have to check my research on that. But um, it's called template holes. Nice. So uh, that that's that's one of the cool things about Rayner designs is uh, like when you go play um, uh, like Yeamans Hall, you'll see a lot of the same golf holes out, out at Yeamans Hall. Just nice. different settings, different yardages, but um, same setups. So what's what's coming up next? U.S. Open qualifier at uh, Columbia Country Club. Nice. Um, and, and I'm really just using that as a tune-up. I'm assuming for, you're going to get a different caddy? Uh, <laughs> Somebody <laughs> actually, that'll pull the actually, pin? I'm, I'm caddyless. My wife is, uh, is, uh, has got to work that week. So um, if you'll... Uh, uh, yeah, maybe, I may. Maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know if the pay is right. I might. I might come down. Um, um, but uh, 
Yeah, so uh, Columbia Country Club, never seen the golf course, but I'm really using it as uh, you know a good practice round, a good competitive round to tune up for the city amateur. That's the one I really have a good chance of winning that I really want to win. Sweet. Um, a lot of street cred with, uh, well, yeah, with that with, Yeah. And I love the golf course, the Muni. So, um, so we talked a little bit about kind of uh, where you want to go and some of the you know tournaments you've had this year. Yeah. Um, what are you playing? What's in the bag? Uh, driver. Um, Callaway Rogue, last year's model. Uh, three Wood Callaway Rogue. Um, hybrid Ping G425. Uh, irons. I've got new level irons, and I'm sad to say that I'm dissatisfied with the distances they go. Uh, they, I, I, I've tested them against other irons, and I just ordered a new set of Ping I230s with the Modus 105x shafts and i went ahead and ordered the 52 and 56 and the uh pings as well and little so, was it the glide the glide the yeah. glide wedges yeah so i'll be playing uh ping and i did get the four crossover so i like a good clunky four iron um so uh yeah so i'll be ping ping irons um and wedges except for the uh, i'll keep my Voki 60 um and then a mizuno putter um, which I, I love my Mizuno putter. Nice. How about you? Um, right now I'm playing uh, the Ping 425 um, for the driver and T200s on the irons. Um, and then I've got the Titleist. I kind of went back and forth. Like, am I going to um, do want to play a hybrid, do want a five wood? Uh, but I'm right now I've got the Titleist, was it U505 driving iron, two yeah. iron. And uh, I've got a 10C shaft in it and I love that thing. I I just make solid contact. It goes where I want. I can shape the ball with it a little bit. Um, so uh, I'm probably going to stick with it for a while. Um, three wood, I was very unsure about a three wood. Um, I probably uh, thought I was uh, got a little too big for my britches, and I, I have a, a Titleist, uh, the new TSR, whatever, TSR2, and it's a plus. It's like a 13 degree with an extra stiff shaft in it. And I think it's too much lumber for me. So, um, so yeah, actually you just brought me, um, what is it? The SIM two, three wood. It's just the, the, it's the original SIM, the same one tiger's, uh, still gaming. Yep. It's got the Velocor shaft in it. Yep. And so I'm pretty, I hadn't even swung it yet. You just brought it to me today. Velcor blue, Ventus blue. Ventus blue uh, with the stiff. Velocor, right? Yep. And yep. so I'm pretty, pretty stoked about that. So I'm going to, and then putters, I'm, I, I've got a, uh, the new Cobra, a newer Cobra putter that's got the sick face on it. Um, it's kind of a, I don't know, you would call it the Fang style putter, or it's got the you know the wings on the back. Um, it's either that or I got this Scotty Newport uh, Select that I've been messing around with. So one of those two, um, kind of going back and forth with. What's your favorite club in the back? Uh, it's got to be the driver. Yeah. Not yesterday. We played yesterday, and I did not hit the driver well. But when I'm in the driver well. It's just right down the middle. I hit a usually hit a very straight driver right down the middle. Um, so yesterday I just decided to put it in the woods left over and over and over. <laughs> so we do that have that fun. in common. My favorite club in the bag is my uh, my Ping four twenty five hybrid. Uh, and funny enough, we were playing golf at Rivertown and we happened to be paired with a Titleist. What was that guy's? Uh, what he, was his? He was uh, a job title. He was uh, he worked in PR for Titleist. Right, a uh, younger uh, kid, real nice kid, but he was. Uh, he worked in PR for Titleist, and we kind of asked him, you know, is TaylorMade kind of cheap China shit? And he, 
And he was reluctant to say, yeah, but he's, his answer was, I like the engineers at ping. Yeah. Uh, that was a really interesting answer PR coming answer, from a Tylus right? guy. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was interesting. He had a lot of interesting things to say about kind of live and also, um, the new you know, roll, the, uh, the ball rollback. Yeah. Yeah. The ball rollback. Um, again, I don't know how much he was saying off the record or whatnot, but, um, you know, with the ball rollback thing, you know, it seems like there's a good chance, you know, talking to people like him and some other people that all of the PGA is not going to come out and say it yet. Cause you know, so, so they put out this proposed ball change rule change and there's like a five or six month comment window. And then there's going to be a decision made and then it's not going to happen until 2026. But you know, clearly the live guys, they're not going to take the new ball, right. the rule, you know, they're going to keep playing what they're playing. Um, Which will force the PGA tour to keep, Play, what yeah, because you're not gonna like, hey, the live guys, we bomb at 350, and right. PGA Tour guys hit it 260 or 270 right. with a new ball or whatnot. So there's a good chance the PGA Tour is gonna be like, yeah, we're just not gonna implement that rule, and then that puts USGA and RNA in a very interesting spot, right? Like, so US Open, US Amateur, the Open, and that's it. So everybody's gonna play their normal ball except for a couple of weeks a year, right? Which is which is just which is just wild because I'm thinking uh, about my tournaments and I could you know one week play in the state mid am, and then the next week go play in the U S mid am qualifier and have to play two different balls, um, you know and uh, you know have to have to adjust in a within a week and and this is it it just doesn't seem like a good idea. I actually was caddying for Jeff Sluman at Cherokee um, a couple of uh, weeks ago and he said something really interesting that they should just roll back the driver size to 300 cc's that's the best idea i've heard that's like, actually a really good idea right he said you're not going to see people swinging 130 miles an hour when you know when you reduce the size of the sweet spot and i, I just thought well there there it is you yeah. know i mean effectively it's gonna be like a three wood right? right i mean right um so you know and, and i'm convinced that rolling back uh you know the ball technology and trying to limit the ball technology guys are going to still figure out how to bomb it. Right. They're still going to hit the ball a long way. You just, you got to set the golf courses up different, right? Right. It, you're, That's right. It's, it's, it's all I think in I the saw setup. A quote the tiger said that, you know, you're going to find guys that just are going to find a different matchup. They're going to find a shaft and a four degree driver to, to get the same results. Yeah. It, you know, it, you know, I, I Harry Higgs, I think he's awesome. And I was listening to him on a on a on a podcast the other day, and you know he he got into like really talking about like say Tory Pines, and he was just discussing how you could set the golf course up completely different. Where I'm not just going to throw a driver out there, hope to find it in the thick rough, and then blast a wedge into the green. It's like if you set it up correctly, people aren't going to do that. It's going to become a more technical, you know, more strategically placing right. shots. And right now, the uh, most of the a lot of the golf courses are not set up um, in a way that it penalizes you for hitting it three twenty or three thirty. Right. You know, if there's a massive landing area at two eighty and nowhere to land it at three twenty, are you going to hit it three twenty? Probably not. Right. So, I don't know. I think it's uh, and, and the other thing on top of that is. I think most of the golf ball manufacturers um, have been pretty upfront about we've kind of taken ball technology as far as it's going to go. We're right. not going to find another 20 yards in four or five years. Um, you know, 
So it, it, it's interesting. I think they should leave the ball alone. I think it should be all on how you set the golf course up. So there's my thoughts on it. Well, speaking of setting the golf course up, we have no better setup than the Masters. Uh, best tournament of the year, and uh, it's going on right now. Uh, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. Who's your pick? Larry Mize. <laughs> Dude, what a way! What a great way to go out. I remember last year all he of the. He made the cut a couple of years ago. He did. Well, I, last year there was a lot of talk about, hey, why is he still playing and take away spots from other guys? And and I think it was actually he's there, he's actually not taking a spot away from anybody else. But you know, I think he's sixty five now. This is going to be his last tournament. What a way to go out. So. Um, I, I mean, I really would love to see like a Max Homa or a Minwoo Lee, one of those guys. Just both of them are, I love their games. Um, you know, Minwoo, I don't know if, you know, if you've got enough experience and, and, and can calm the nerves enough. Yeah, I think this is only a second Masters. Yeah. It does seem, it does seem like, um, you know, experience really helps you it, around that place. It, it definitely does. Um, as far as, you know. It'd be hard pressed not to say Rory. I just right. love to see Rory get it. Um, yeah, I'm pulling for Rory big time. Yeah, so I, I think Rory's the the one. You know, I actually would love to see Rom get it as well. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, I I think Scotty's phenomenal, but it, I, for whatever reason, I just don't like get he behind Scotty. I'm not him. like he doesn't do it for me. He, I mean, he's a phenomenal player. Right? He's just right. so consistent. Um, but I seems like a super nice guy too. Super nice guy. I'm not pulling against him, but I'll I never really pull for him. Yeah, either. and it's kind of weird, but right. um, that I, the reason I feel that way. But um, yeah. Anyway, so so Rory or Rom? Um, I think I think uh, I like I like I like the fire that Rom right, give has. Give me a, give me give me a live pick, and give me a PGA Tour pick. Ooh, a live pick. Um, Definitely not Brooks. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I I, I want to like Brooks, but I after the full swing thing, I even like him even less, yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's getting harder and harder. No, I mean, if I could pick any live player, it would be Mickelson. Yeah, I, and here's, that would be cool, man. That would be cool. Here's why. I mean, he did it at the you know at the PGA what you know two years ago, um, and then he's had, he has all the haters. And I understand all the haters, but he's got, I mean, he's a legend, right? There's nobody that's, he's so inventive with the short game. He's got, he's just been one of the greats for so long. And it would be amazing for him to kind of go on top, on top, cement that legacy. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I get the haters too. So yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Who's your live guy? Uh, oh, Cam Smith for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cam Smith. Yeah. I, but, but now that you say Mickelson, that, uh, I, I, I could definitely get behind Mickelson. And I'll tell you what, Mickelson said that he was going to live – or that him going to live and, um, you know, live being a competition could put pressure or should put pressure on the PGA Tour to do the things that the players want. And that has happened. That has you happened, know, that 100%. Has happened. So I don't, I don't hate on Phil Mickelson or anybody – uh, doing what's best for their uh, gambling habits or for their family. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I, I do, I do love Phil. Phil was um, originally my favorite player, and then after Winged Foot, I started pulling for Tiger. I had to jump off uh, the Phil bandwagon after that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I Phil's- mean, I, I'll say from a from a who from live do I think could win it? It's definitely Cam. Yeah. Who would I love to see win it? It would be Phil. Phil, I mean, DJ. DJ would be great to. I'd love to see DJ uh, get another one, but I'm going to go with Cam Smith and my PJ Tour pick. Uh, I think I'm. I think I'm going to have to go with John Rahm. 
Uh, I, I I just think there's so much pressure on Rory. I think Rory gets one. I think he he definitely gets one. But man, it just seems like every year he's playing so good, and that's gotta playing good almost puts more pressure on you to get it done. You know. I feel if Rory can get over this hump, we might see a new level from Rory right. that we haven't seen yet. Right. And he's just already. I mean, his his year last year was incredible. He had how many top fives in majors? Like three of three of four majors he finished top five in. And yeah. I mean, he did uh, he did everything. I mean, he just got outgunned every tournament. Um, it, it wasn't like he didn't play good enough to win. He just somebody played a little better than him, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely pulling for Rory this week. Nice. All right, what else we have, Cass? Well, um, I think that's about it. All right, well, uh, so that wraps it up for the very first episode of Birdies, Bogies, and Bourbon. Thanks for joining, and we'll be back next week. Peace.